Well, hello and welcome to a special edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. Um, today, I am super excited to have John Stockton on our show today. Uh, we are streaming live from Spokane, Washington, and I started following him, oh, a year and a half ago. Well, I, of course, as an NBA player, I followed him for many years because um, you used to beat up on the Sonics a lot, right? <laughs> I'm not beating up on them. We, we had some good times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'm going to ask you, at the, I'm going to give you a little suspense here and our listeners and viewers. I'm going to ask you a basketball league question at the very end of the show. Um, and yeah, so... But what I really what we're going to discuss today is medical freedom. If you follow us on this podcast, we really believe in medical freedom. And, and, and before before COVID, we believe in medical freedom. The goal of this podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. And my wife and I have been doing that for almost 25 years now at Mosley Professional Pharmacy. And that's one of the things we're doing at the podcast is to make sure that consumers are educated about their medical choices and they are in charge. Um, so, John, how did we come from a a Hall of Fame basketball player um, to somebody uh, wanting to support medical freedom? Well, uh, I think it mo mostly was called to it. I, my my background I started with a medical background, but enjoyed holistic care through most of my career and was was amazed by that. It took me a long time to buy into it, but once I did, and I saw the benefits of it. It was hugely powerful for me. So. I felt like I was, I was welcome, in, welcome into that when COVID showed up with all the vaccines and all the mandates, I felt completely prepared because I had been researching it on my own for the 30 prior years. So, um, yeah, I came ready for this. So tell us, I, I remember seeing, we, we were actually, my wife and I um, were following Gonzaga and we saw that you were escorted out of a game. Can you tell us about that situation? wasn't actually escorted out. What, what, what happened what, right. what happened was we, we I, my tickets were stripped from us. We've had season tickets as long as I can, since, since we've been back, since I've been retired. We've had season tickets and they said, I'm no longer welcome to them as long as I won't wear a mask. And I refused to wear a mask. I said I couldn't sit across from those students knowing that it's harming them and not helping them, uh, importantly. And sit there and pretend like I was just part of the deal and it's okay for everybody to wear a mask. It isn't okay for everybody to wear a mask. And uh, I put my feet in the sand there and they did theirs and here we are. So it started with the mask. Now, um, did they also give a mandate for COVID vaccines? You're required to have uh, either signs that you, you had to either test or get the vaccines, which again, I, I find that to be absurd. It, it breaks every rule of, of uh HIPAA and Nuremberg Code and our laws in our country to do that. You can't demand somebody to do a test, an invasive test, to see what their medical condition is. And then you get to know their medical condition. That's against HIPAA. It, it just breaks all the rules. So um, they were requiring something of the sort, which we, we got around. And then we, the, the masks were my feet, again, my feet in the sand. But uh, what's happened since is that tickets have been, have been allowed back. Uh, but I've refused to take them because they are, in fact, still mandating these shots, these horrible um, shots, non-vaccines, to be a student at Gonzaga. And uh, that, for sure, I can't abide by. Wow. Well, that's pretty powerful principles. Um, and thank you for saying that for, for your principles. I think more athletes and more celebrities need to do that. Um, you know, speaking of HIPAA um, and just patient confidentiality in general, never in history 
in the United States that I know of. I've been practicing pharmacy for almost 30 years and never have I seen that we make people's um, personal medical information public. And I mean, that's what we did. And I think Aaron Rodgers was one of the first NFL players to come out about it. And there was a basketball player that came out about it too. You remember who it was? Well, Jonathan Isaacs was one, uh, Brandon Goodwin. I mean, there was a number of guys, okay. but Ennis uh, Cantor has been pretty vocal about it. There's been other guys, but mostly you don't hear about it. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I just, you know, to me, it's just, it should be an individual decision. And our personal medical information should be just that personal. I mean, we are taught in, you know, when in pharmacy school, how important it is to keep patient confidentiality. And that's not what we've been doing um, during this whole government created pandemic. So, um, so you also have, you know, you've also been pretty vocal about the COVID vaccine and athletes dying. Will you elaborate on that? Well, right about the time of the masks, I was interviewed by a spokesman review here in town and uh, the, the debate was, well, I mentioned in the interview that 150 athletes had died on the field, on the pitch, on the court, right? In mid-activity, these, these people are peak athletic ability. They're in great condition. There's no real excuse for this happening. Uh, and yet it was happening. Of course, the paper did their fact check, um, which is a joke. Yeah. And apparently that's somebody else's opinion because I had a list of the guys. It was actually well over 300 at the time. I had their list, their names, their the situation, the articles that were written about them. Um, there's just no way to get around. They didn't ask me for that information, but said I was ill-informed and that fact check proved me wrong. Uh, Again, it was well over 300 people at that time and it's well over 1,100 people now. 1,100 athletes. It's it's an enormous delta from what it's ever been in past history. So now from what the mainstream media is preaching about that. It's like, well, we don't really, you know, it's just all anecdotal. Um, there's, we don't have any comparison to compare, compared to before, you know, could it be just a coincidence? And I mean, with numbers like that, 1100 athletes, how could it be a coincidence? I, I, you would just not, we just used to not hear about athletes, young, healthy athletes dying hardly at all. It was a rare thing, right? Yeah. And that's, I'm going to probably say this word a lot in the course of this interview is the, is uh, tip of the iceberg. Um, that's just the deaths we're hearing about. Uh, I know two at Washington State University, two young, young athletes that they had to revive quite similar to DeMar Hamlin, the, the Buffalo Bills player that, that uh, they had to revive on the football field uh, a month or so ago. It's happening all over the place. The, the, will you repeat that? This is um, WSU football? WSU basketball. Or basketball. Um, two athletes, one suddenly had cancer, which by the way is a it has been, there's been a 1200% increase in cancer since the rollout. Um, so people that have had cancers in remission, people that have never had it before, suddenly for, you know, stage four cancer out of nowhere. And the only, and, and similarly with the heart, and that, those are the tip of the iceberg. It's not getting into neurological issues. It's not getting into reproductive issues, which are going to take years to, to ferret out. Um, these are big numbers. These are, these are a lot of folks and they've all happened since the rollout. Now back to DeMar Hamlin, he has that injury on the field. Uh, they try to blame it on Como Corordius or something. Yeah, you probably right. know the term, yeah. um, which is almost laughable. But the amazing part of it is that they had that narrative ready. They were expecting it. And the moment it happened, they blast that out all over the place. Nobody's even mentioned the vaccines were rolled out and that 95% of the NFL claims to have been vaccinated. It'd be the first question I'd have. Yeah, well, if you if you follow that story at all, he just recently came out and he was asked about about that, and 
he refuses to discuss what what really happened. Have you have you uh, followed that at all? I have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't blame him. You know, I, I was an athlete not that long ago, and in, in my medical stuff, I wanted to keep quiet. If I had a sore ankle, I didn't right. want the other team to know about right. it. If I had a heart issue, I'd prefer the team didn't know about it because I want to play. I want right. to get paid. It's the best job in the world. <laughs> right. So you want to do nothing to risk that. So I, I don't really blame these guys. I, I know that if they all locked arms and said, look, we're not doing it, then it goes away. It goes away just like, just like us. If we as a public lock arms yeah. say, right. well, nobody, nobody's getting on an airplane if we can't get on the airplane, then this goes away that fast. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I flew a lot during the pandemic and had to wear those crazy useless masks. And, you know, I just thought, you know, what if all 100 passengers all at once took off their masks? Are they going to land the plane? Of course they're not. I mean, and, and that's what we really need to do is we just really need to stick together about this. Um, so what about you? You have some opinions about um, they just recently started um, recommending this vaccine, the COVID vaccine to pediatrics. You have some opinions about that, too, right? Well, I have a lot of opinions about that. Uh, number one, I don't know how you we, we've been all this time has passed and now all the records are coming out, all the, the reports. Was it Pfizer that had the report they're trying to save for 75 years so nobody got the details? There's so many deaths in these details. There's so many serious harms. We've interviewed numerous people that were part of the test, the original test, um, permanently damaged. You find out that it doesn't work. It doesn't prevent infection. Right. It doesn't pervert, prevent transmission. Yep. So it isn't even working. And it has harms. Why are we even considering it? So I think everybody's starting to get, Bill Gates even said it, the guy who's who pushes vaccines more than anybody says that. And then you turn around the next day thinking you're making ground and the FDA approves it for children. That, that one was a head scratcher to me. I, that one came out of left field. And when you look at um, the incidence of children um, dying from COVID, it's super, super, super rare if it's really ever happened. Right. I mean, that's one of my beliefs too, is that these numbers have been incredibly trumped up. I think that primary deaths from COVID are actually, you know, way overstated. I mean, way overstated. You have an Well, the CDC even announced that. They, they said that 94% of the original ones, the ones that scared us all into going and rushing, getting vaccinated, they said 94% of those are comorbidities. And even the comorbidities, so 6% are actual. It doesn't even... It doesn't even rack up with the typical food numbers. It's it, it's statistical nothing. Right, right. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty offensive what's been forced upon us and what is the lies have been told to us. So what do you think about their narrative? Their narrative seems to be falling apart. So are you optimistic about this? Same thing. I'm totally optimistic about it. I, 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 you see all around, Little Word, New York Times had an article about uh, masks the other day, how they don't, and that's just a little chink in the arm. I saw that. The masks are bad. Which we knew. Yeah, right, right. So, so yeah, those things are starting to come out. But at the same time, FDA passes it for children. They're okay in the next round. The WHO is trying to get uh, President Biden right now to sign a document that will give away our sovereignty to an organization that's unelected outside of our country. It should be treason. The World Health Organization, the right? World Health yeah, and, that, right. and that should be treason for a president to give away our, our sovereignty. Uh, it, there's some bad stuff out there. So we the battle's big and it's a big climb, but I, I think we're climbing it. Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm optimistic too. Um, I can tell you, you know, the mask thing was was the first, kind of the first thing after the lockdowns that happened was the mask mandates. And um, I knew something was fishy up right away with that. And I was vocal about it, just basically saying, look, 
you know, it, we should have the, our freedom to choose um, our own because the mask is a medical device. And if, and you know, a lot of the conspiracy theory guys would say, well, if they can make us wear a mask, they can make us um, get a vaccine. And of course people said, well, that's crazy. And of course it ended up being true. And of course we also said the mask didn't work. And now that's being, that's true. So it seems like, you know, and now the vaccine doesn't work. And one thing that we're taught in pharmacy school is that coronavirus or cold viruses, which coronavirus has been around for thousands of years, we were taught that we could never make a vaccine for it because it's a rapidly mutating virus. Yet here we are. I mean, it, it's it's incredible to me that this goes against most everything I was taught in pharmacy school. It makes me question a lot of my pharmacy education, actually. Yeah, it probably should. I mean, even the ads today, we see, we see all these government-sponsored ads on billboards and whatnot that says, you got to get the new boosters because they protect against the original and all the subsequent right. variations. <laughs> the, the absurdity of that is the original is extinct. It's been extinct for, what, a year and a half now. There's, it doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> right. We've adapted through it, whatever, and, and they still sell that. It's and incredible to me. It's, it's, it's dishonest. It's immoral. I mean, there's yeah. so many things bad about it, and our government's doing it with our tax money. Yeah, it is, it, it is really incredible. There's just something – there's a lot going on, I think, that I don't even – I don't even know if I want to believe sometimes. So, you know, you're a – you know, even though you're the all-time leading assist – all-time leading steals guy and NBA Hall of Fame player, you're a pretty, you know, you're pretty, um, you, you, you're pretty, you're not on social media pretty much. Correct. And, you know, you kind of stick to yourself and you, you don't, you don't go out there a lot on, on this stuff. And then all of a sudden you come out about this. So, I mean, for you to do that and for the last, you've been retired how many years? 20. You've been retired 20 years and you've been pretty quiet just, off in the sunset and now all of a sudden you're pretty vocal about this. So you must have a pretty big passion about this subject for, for you to come out against this. I think it's the most important thing in my life. Uh, that, that is incredible to say, John, that's incredible. What else is there? I mean, we're, we're I'm an old guy now. I get it. I'm not in the game anymore. I get that. Uh, but I've got kids, I've got grandkids. I've, I've had kids suffer through the impacts of this. You know, they say you got to get the vaccine and you lose your job. Okay. That's happened. You've got, if you don't want to do the vaccine, then you got to test 14 times a week or 20 times yeah. a week, which is not okay. None of that's okay. Then you got to wear a mask. That's not okay. Then you get quarantined. Then you get sequestered. You're treated like a second hostage. Not okay. Not okay. No. Not okay. My grandson goes to school uh, wearing a mask, comes back. I mean, we know that a 5% lack, loss of, of oxygen to a child's mind is something you don't get back. And those masks keep oxygen out they keep the toxins in i mean we're supposed to eliminate not not hold it in right. place to breathe and breathe again it's just not something that's okay it's not something i can turn my head on and and uh, walk away in the sunset as you said well and not only that but you know we were in palm springs one time last year and we talked to a gal in a retail store and she said her her son was seven and she said after they lifted the mask mandate in california that it was the first time her son had seen his classmates' faces. That, that That's not good. No. I mean, you know, we, we are created to be able to see each other. No. I mean, and, you know, and our immune systems have been created to fight viruses and fight bacteria. And there are certain times where we do need medical intervention. There is no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, coronaviruses are nothing new. Um, you know, and our bodies have been fighting for thousands of years. And even if the COVID... 19 is a novel virus. 
Um, it's still, and if it was even man-made, in my opinion, it still is going to revert back to its to its more natural source, and it's going to mutate. And our body immune system, our body's immune system, has been trained for thousands of years, created very wonderfully, by the way, to be able to fight those coronaviruses. Right. Well, until we until we interfere with with medicine, frankly. Man, I feel like all medicines hurt your immune system, all of them. Now, they may help. They may solve your problem temporarily, like an antibiotic. If you have double pneumonia, that antibiotic might save your life. But it doesn't help your immune system. And you can see that on any ad on TV, these, these enormous 9 out of 10 ads where they say, may cause, may inhibit your ability to fight off infection. They all say it. Yeah. So we know this to be true. And... Uh, that's what I think about the comorbidities. When they when the narrative comes out is, well, they died of comorbidities. I'm saying, no, maybe we got to look at they died of medication, 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 piles and piles of these seniors in, our, in these facilities, 10, 13, 15 medications they're taking. That, I think, is where I would look first. Well, and early on um, in the pandemic, when people were hospitalized, um, they were put on ventilators and probably unnecessarily. Um, and that killed a lot of them unnecessarily and they weren't doing early treatment. And, um, you know, there's a medication called remdesivir. You may have heard of that. Oh, yeah. And I've talked to ICU nurses that used to work in the hospital and they would infuse that. And they called it, um, run death is near because they knew in about three days, the patient was going to die. So how many patients, like you say, how many patients did, did our medical system really kill, um, by giving them um, poor treatment instead of um, treating early with other interventions. That's a little scary, and it's hard yeah. to stomach. Again, I, I've always had faith in the medical system, you know, the faith the people that do it, and I still have faith in the people. Um, we talked to enough doctors now, and the people that are in that environment, they see it. It's just hard to give up all that investment of all the study and being able to feed your family with what they've trained to do to speak out. Because if they speak out, that is a death sentence. It's like remdesivir for doctors. Yeah. Well, and speaking of speaking out, um, we do have a comment from um, Brian Wetzel on here. You know, Washington State doctors were threatened with having an investigation if they gave more than four vaccine exemptions. And I don't know that to be true, but I do know that um, there were, you know, doctors, there's been doctors all across the nation and still, and still it's happening that have been investigated because they didn't do the treatment that the states or the FD approved treatment or, you know, um, doctors are, hands are being tied. And that's, what's really scary. Cause when I go to a doctor, I want to be able to work with him personally to do what's best for me, not what the government says is best. Cause I don't necessarily trust the government. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> and they've earned that distrust as, as I think medicine has. Yeah. Um, you've earned the distrust. Now you got to kind of wear it. So, Vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc. Um, there's all these things that support the immune system that give you a chance against any virus, whether it's corona or otherwise. And if people were, uh, and they told us to stay out of the sunshine. I'm sorry. Right. Lock us out. Lock us out. <laughs> so we don't get any vitamin right. D. And no exercise. No, air, no and, exercise. Right. It makes so much sense. <laughs> and so they've done all those things. And then I, I know of wellness clinics all over the place where uh, labor and industry or whoever the governing body over this says, you got to take zinc off your shelf. It's dangerous. Zinc. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It's just unfathomable. Frankly. Yeah, there were a couple things um, early on in the pandemic. NAC, which is something to help support our immune system. Um, you know, the FDA went after that. Um, and this is something, I, it's really, you know, you've been following it long enough, and my wife and I have been following it long enough. 
we really weren't surprised what happened during COVID. We, it went further than we thought it would, but um, really what happened with a lot of this stuff is it's been happening for years, for decades, and COVID exposed the system. Yep. It just exposed how corrupt the system is. And and the system in general, and like you say, it's, it's nothing about the people. I, I'm, I, I love the people in healthcare, but in general, but the system is doesn't want to keep people healthy. Yep. I mean, the system profits off sick people. You know, and um, so they don't necessarily want them to be in optimal health um, because then they can't have cardiac surgery on them. They can't do kidney dialysis. They can't, you know, I mean, seriously, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Well, it reminds me of a quote. I think I heard it from a children's health defense. So it's not so much the number, but I, I think they said that the, the pharmaceutical companies will make around $60 billion on COVID vaccines, which aren't vaccines. And they'll make $550 billion on treating the illnesses that are caused by it in subsequent years. So next year, it's just, it's just a, a number that keeps growing. And it's so true. Um, I mean, with childhood vaccines and you see all the things that those things can cause. And then what we treat kids with from the time, you know, chronic illness for children was, was it one in, there was one in a hundred or something? Um, what's my numbers? Less than 10%. Now it's over 50%. All since 1986, when they passed the law that allowed uh, the pharmaceutical companies to make vaccines without liability. That's 1986, yeah, under President yeah. Reagan. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So now they have the gloves are off. They can make anything. It doesn't matter if it harms you. They're they're not liable. And since that time, chronic health has just gone in the tank in America. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a red flag. I mean, and not just in medicine, but in any industry, if somebody is protected because of a government law from liability. I mean, I, I can't think of any other industry that has an exemption like that. Can you? I can't. No. And I mean, that should be a big red flag for all of us. Big red flag there. The attribution at the start of COVID is the government stepped in and paid hospitals more money if a patient died of COVID. I mean, that's that's basically subsidizing so that you, right. get, the, you get the narrative and you get the stats yeah. you want. And hospitals went along with it. They, it it's undisputable. Right, right. So yeah. anytime the government's getting involved and they're forcing something like this that harms people, you have to take another look. Yeah. So we, early on in the pandemic, we were, um, uh, we had the privilege of um, interviewing Dr. Scott Jensen. He was, he was at the time a state senator from Minnesota. And then he ran for governor later on uh, last year, um, unsuccessfully. But um, he was the one that exposed that story to begin with. He talked about hospitals getting paid more for COVID diagnosis. And if I remember right, he used the term like $13,000 extra. And he, then he um, said they got paid $38,000 extra if they ventilated them, if they intubated them. Um, so as you can imagine, there are a lot of people that are fighting with COVID. And I know people that would go in for a routine knee surgery and they would check them for five, six times and they'd be negative. And then they'd finally check and it'd be positive and, and check. Check the box. Yeah. I mean, seriously, how could you, how could you really define that any other way? What they were doing, and I mean, and I think hospitals. I don't trust most hospitals. I think all of them are corrupt. If they're billing government insurance, I've talked about this uh, many times in our podcast. If they are billing government insurance, they are corrupt. Whether they're public, private, for profit, non profit, um, and you know they've been doing this kind of stuff for years. I think COVID has just exposed them. 
Agreed. And another thing to add to that, there was that there's COVID hospitals that, that once they read, reached a threshold, let's say it was 150 COVID patients, they didn't have to be tested for it. They just had to be diagnosed as it. So you could walk in and say, yeah, you've got it. Once they got over 150, they made, I heard a number, it might have been the same doctor, 70 grand per. I mean, those numbers add up in our. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Then they did another one that's, that's hard to stomach is they changed the title of what's vaccinated. So when they were trying to scare people and saying it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated, anybody that came in and got that maybe got the first shot, but three months passed and three months in a week, they hadn't taken the booster. They are technically unvaccinated again. So all these people that had the shots came in, got COVID. They were checking the box for unvaccinated yet again, even though they had taken the first shot, they had done their duty. Yeah. Wow. So I do. And this reminder of somebody in the NBA, you might know, um, Kyrie Irving was very vocal, wasn't he? Yes. Did you did you uh, talk with him at all? I reached out a couple of times, wasn't able to reach him. So so all I know about him is what the public part of it is. I know he sat out games. New York wasn't allowing people right. that were unvaccinated. Um, you know, from that standpoint, I'm really proud of him. That's hard to do. You're risking a lot of money. You're risking a job. You're risking reputation. You're risking endorsements. Uh, anybody that's done that deserves a pat on the back, and, and he's proven to be right. Yeah. So great question my wife had for you is if you were playing today, what would you do? Depends on what stage of my career. As I mentioned, I got involved with holistic medicine fairly early on in my career. But when I started, whatever it took to get on the court, if they said I needed the COVID shot, I imagine I would have just yeah. rolled my sleeve up because it's it's a chance of a lifetime. Yeah. Right. You know, right. And, it, and it comes and goes just like that. Right. So, uh, I, I felt for these guys. They're having to make split-second sec, split yeah. decisions on the rest of their lives versus whether they have a career or not. And uh, I think it's unfair. Well, I would imagine, isn't Kyrie Irving, is he, he's pretty advanced in his career, right? Well, he's not a youngster. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's an old-timer either. Yeah, okay. And, and you got to think about, you know, I felt for um, DeMar Hamlin in, in many ways. And sure. I, I don't know his vaccine status, and I don't know if it'll ever become public. Um, we got to assume that he was vaccinated, but I, I think of a, you know, in, in my opinion, he's, you know, he's half my age. He's a kid. I mean, here he is, he's 23 or 24 years old. And, you know, you got to think when these players are doing that, like what's the average career life an NFL player less than four years, I think. So like you say, a young athlete, they're going to do whatever, this is the chance of a lifetime. They, they've worked their entire life for it. They're going to do whatever they, they, they can, they can do, they have to do to get on the court. And then we're being dishonest in, in the medical system about what what's going on with these vaccines. Yeah, these kids are in a tough spot. And and now there's a lot of things coming out because they know it's causing the heart damage. They know the myocarditis, the pericarditis, they know it's causing it. So a lot of suggestions are coming out. We need to get all these guys tests. The only way to yeah. test, I heard Dr. Milholm say, the only test that works is a MRI, big expensive MRI yeah. to see if you can detect scarring on the back of the heart. And you gotta go, I'm going, I put my get myself back into the athlete's chair and I say, sure i want to know that answer well i mean and what are you going to do about it if you're going to ban me you know you oh, oh oh yeah right it's once they do the test and it's like they can't pass the physical right you can't pass physical right. or insurance won't insure me anymore or i mean there's a lot of roadblocks i'm not sure if i'm an athlete if i'm the players association uh there's no automatic test maybe by choice if you choose to it, check. yeah right yeah that's that's a, that's a really good point um so so where, where to go from here john I, all I know is where I can go from here, and I'm just going to keep learning. 
I'm going to keep trying to meet and talk with as many people as I can, try to move the needle a little bit, little by little. By little. Uh, it's amazing the people that I that I probably, when, when you're an athlete, you're just trying to stay in your own cocoon and all the people that I kind of kept away way back when, I'm so much enjoying meeting these people now yeah. uh, and seeing these, these brilliant minds and how they're trying to help their kids, help their grandkids, help complete strangers get through what is, you know, we'll see, but it's arguably the greatest medical crisis, health crisis in history. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And that's why I think we can't stand back and watch. Um, I, I know I have a lot of colleagues I, I that, um, you know, have done just that. I mean, they, they, they complied with mandates and, you know, and, and I got called a conspiracy theory guy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, because I do, my wife and I do, we're in an independent ownership situation. We didn't um, have to um, do some of the mandates that we were required if we worked for somebody else, but we've always been independent. We always still believe in medical liberty. And when I, when I fight for medical liberty, I'm not just fighting for myself. I tell them, it's like, I'm fighting for people that want to get a vaccine. I'm fighting for people that want to wear a mask. I'm fighting for all of us. It should be an individual choice. That's really what it should be. You try to reverse it. No matter what, no matter exactly. what we're talking about, you reverse it. I use uh, what little algebra. And if the variable changes, and that's you instead of me, you, you want to wear a mask, I don't want to wear a mask. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you can't wear a mask no matter what. I have no right to do that. Any more than right. you have right to tell me right. to do it. Or take a medicine versus not. Or... We don't have the right to have that kind of – we have the right to our own bodies, our own bodily autonomy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I speak about when, – when we connected our first, our first call, one thing that really resonated with me is I think I asked you about medical liberty, and you said something about, well, I just believe in freedom in general. Yeah. And, and that's what I fought for forever. This, this, to me, is not just about medicine. It's not about medical liberty. It's about liberty in general. As an individual person, we should be free to make decisions for our own selves, you know, as long as it's not going to hurt somebody else. It's about liberty in general. Like you say, it's not just about me. It's about other people, too. That's why I try to put myself in their position, just like you say. And is this, you know, this is not just a, you know, we do make, you know, um, we, you know, we do make self-interested decisions for sure. But, you know, I still put myself in somebody else's position. It's like, well, what if I was in their position when I make that same decision? You know, it's just about liberty to me. Yeah, and it's and it is switching. So it may very well come to be as we're seeing that more people that are that have been vaccinated keep getting more sick. They, they've had COVID three, four times. Can't figure out why they've had COVID. Oh, maybe right. I need another booster. Right, right. I mean, it makes no sense. <laughs> but by the same token, is we we would I sit there and say you can't come on an airplane because you're more susceptible to COVID? I wouldn't do that. That's you're right. And I, and I think that's coming, unfortunately. And, and hopefully we don't lose sight of our desire for freedom in trying to win the battle against the, the terrible vaccine and the drug industry. Yeah, I, I, we are fighting an uphill battle, but I still I am very optimistic. And and the reason why is because the narrative is falling apart. And I just like to think, especially, you know, I just like to think, I mean, what do you think would happen right now if they if they locked our if they locked us down again, do you think people would comply? Oh, certainly. There's still people really? complying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I still see people driving down the road by themselves in a car with a mask on. Which is, they're right. They're <laughs> right. And I can't help you. I mean, right, you exactly. Know, looking, I'm like, what are you kidding me? Or walking down the street in open air with the mask on by themselves. I can't help you. Well, I just want to ask him. It's like, it's a serious question. I mean, a serious question, not being a smart aleck. When is it going to be safe to take the mask off? 
I want to ask him that. You know, seriously. I might have too much smart aleck to have you know, <laughs> to be able to contain myself. But yeah, that's why I, I, it's it's a divisive thing too. The masks have become a separator, um, just like you know they they've tried to blow race up and make that a separator so that we don't talk to each other. And the goal is we need to talk to each other, all of us, and uh, figure this out together. Get lock arms. Yeah. It doesn't matter, and, and let's figure it out. And speaking of talk to each other, didn't you just recently start a podcast because of this subject? Yeah, uh, my buddy Ken Rutgers and I were with a place called Voices for Medical Freedom where we try to connect a bunch of athletes and entertainers and maybe people that are a little bit more visible to, first of all, learn. So if you're not hearing it, the information we're talking about on the news, you can hear it through us. Uh, and then you can also talk to people. So we've been talking to some amazing people, doctors, athletes, other kinds of doctors, people that uh, a, a large form of people that have been damaged and irreparably damaged, some that were part of the tests, some that were just ordinary citizens. And it's it's been really eye-opening to hear their stories. It's not misinformation. It's their stories. I mean, yeah, we're right. living it. Right. And uh, it's also very sad and daunting in terms of the task ahead of us. So have you communicated with Aaron Rodgers at all? I haven't personally. Uh, I know I know somebody who has, and uh, you know, we've tried to voice. I've tried to voice incredible respect over those lines. Um, I'm hoping he's received it because again, it's for a guy that's in it, a guy in his of his stature within the game still currently with everything to risk, and he has all those ads and, and endorsements. To risk it, I think, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think so, too. You know, it, I, I think he'd be a wonderful one to have on your podcast and just talk about this stuff. I would agree. Um, so so if he hears this. If he yeah, has, right. Aaron, and what's, what's the name of your call? Yeah, please. Um, what's the name of your podcast again, John? What's this, our, our group's called Voices for Medical Freedom. Uh, Ken Rutgers is, along with myself and Mike Fisher, a great um, hockey player with the Nashville Predators for years. Uh, we got together to try to do this, and if you have any way to contact any of us or through the through that uh, organization, we'd love to have the contact. Awesome, for anybody. Awesome. All right. So as we wrap this podcast up, I just have to ask this question, not not medical freedom related at all, but so who's the greatest basketball player of all time? I think there's a lot of guys that fit into it. I think right now, talk about narratives and narratives. Is it Michael Jordan or is it right. LeBron James? And I think a lot of it has a matter of taste. They played in different eras. Um, I think there's there's a number of guys that I would be in my top five, and then let it go from there because you can't kind of pick one. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll let you get away with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I will say this: I, I follow that story a lot, and. Um, I'll just throw my opinions in there since my, I'm not a basketball player and it doesn't really matter, but different. It's always the LeBron, Michael Jordan thing. And then, and then I started doing when I was a little kid, it was Will Chamberlain. Yeah. And I still think that Will Blanc in some ways, he was probably the most dominating player ever, ever. I mean, ever, I mean, he was unstoppable, but then, you know, I mean, when you look at some of, especially when you look at Kareem's college career and that he was up until a few weeks ago, the all-time leading score. And he played a full four or five years in college, whatever, and dominated in college. He lost like six games in college yeah. and Kareem at the professional level, especially for the first half of his career, he was very dominating. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's another one. I mean, Larry Bird is another one that you can't forget about. I mean, and talk about unstoppable 
Shaq, you probably played against Shaq. Did you play against Shaq? Played against a lot of those guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, of course you did. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, it's funny you mentioned three that, that never get mentioned. You never hear Kareem anymore. You never hear yeah. Wilt. You never hear Larry Bird. They, I, I'd include Magic Johnson in that. Yeah, right. I'd include Michael Jordan in that. I'd include my old teammate Carl Malone. And, yeah. and yet there's others. My dad used to always say the greatest player he ever saw was Elgin play, Baylor. Yeah, he was during Wilt's time, kind of, right yeah, after, and he yeah. could score 80 points in a game, right? Yeah, and right? I didn't get, I didn't have the opportunity to see him play, but I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, Dad says it, he, he watch. <laughs> right, so. right. Um, well, so, uh, final question before we wrap this podcast up. Um, what do you have a passion for? Well, I, I think if my, my family, really, at the end of it, I, I – uh, my my kids who aren't kids anymore, growing up, they're 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 become great people, and I enjoy being around them. Is there anything better? Right. No, uh, there's not. Watch them raise their children and get married and, and and meet these these tremendous spouses and have children, and, and that's kind of kind of what it is. It's everything. And yeah. I want to sustain that. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. You so so there's a there's a kind of a boosting passion here is that I want to make sure that they have the they've enjoyed the freedoms that that I enjoyed and that they've enjoyed up to this point, and that their kids get to enjoy that and their grandkids. So this is this is also a, a passion. Wow. Yeah. Well, I can definitely tell you just have a passion for life, and and John, I can just say that since your initial call with me a few weeks ago. Um, you have been so accommodating and you're such a humble guy. I respect you so much. I respect you as a basketball player. And even though I knew that you were a great guy off the court then, I mean, after meeting you and talking to you, I mean, you were just an awesome guy. So, so humble, so accommodating. I so appreciate you. Thank you for fighting for medical freedom. I really appreciate it. Uh, same goes. And thank you very much, Sean. Great knowing you and more to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks. 